Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. What's up, everybody? It's Friday. Welcome to another episode of The Athletic Hockey Show. It's Haley Salvian, Sean Gentilly here with you. We're almost there. NHL training camps are open. Games less than a month away. But the real sign that hockey's around the corner, player tears have dropped at The Athletic. That's the real sign. And we've got Dom <laughs> Luce Chishin, our friend from The Athletic, wait, here wait, with wait, us. Wait, 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 wait. What? The real sign that the season is about to start is that I haven't left my apartment in like 48 hours. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it is. You're bringing up player tears, and we're going to talk all about that because that could have dropped a couple of days ago. I am in season preview mode now, and I am in hell. It's, this yeah. stinks. Yeah. Well, they've started to come out as well. Um, on Wednesday, you guys had the Montreal Canadiens and San Jose Sharks. And that's never a good sign to be the first nope. two previews no. that come nope. out. It's bad. Um, or, well, it depends on your outlook of bad. For San Jose, yeah. it's fantastic. That's exactly yeah. where you want to be. That's Buddy, true. we got some we got some good engagement from Sharks fans on this <laughs> on the preview dropping. They're like, "Yes, it finally happened. We're the worst team in the league at yeah! long last." <laughs> Well, today, though, fireworks going off, confetti flying. Yes. Mm -hmm. 63 point projection. The plan is working. Shout out Mike Greer. Everything's going great in San Jose. Um, But today is a player tears deep dive episode. So Dom Luce-Chishin's here with us. He did the player tears with you, Sean and Shane and Goldman. I think Shane is going to come on one of the shows next week. Um. So if you want to hear from Shayna, not these two dudes, uh, you can end the podcast now and wait for Monday or <laughs> listen, Tuesday. Listen, we know you. We know you do. Yeah. So Listener, thanks you. for listening to this first three minutes. We appreciate your time, Dom. What's up? Are you in hell or do you enjoy preview time? No, this is like it's hell for Sean. For me, I used to do three times the work, and now That's I'm vibing. True. I'm chilling. This is like mm-hmm. easy mode. For yeah. me, this is just smug, smug bullshit from you. I know this isn't true. He We've used been, to write all of them by himself. He's, guess what? The boy's soft now. He's this is year three without him <laughs> writing a hundred thousand preview words by himself. He's struggling. Yeah. Don't let him. Don't let him fool there's, you. There's no struggle at all. Uh, we have a, a spreadsheet of like who's assigned what and uh, the word counts we're expecting for like each section. And I had like everything done except for like all our big questions and strengths and weaknesses. And I just 
clocked out all the little stuff um, in the first week last week. So now it's just now I'm just vibing, writing like one big question a day, maybe some strengths and weaknesses. I'm already like half done. I'm feeling good. Dude, punk. Little peek behind the curtain. But again, this is uh, the player tears deep dive. So Sean and I are back for the athletic hockey show, obviously, since we're still talking to you right now. But one thing that we talked about this season, we want to do more like deep dive episodes. So instead of just bopping around and spending five minutes on a bunch of stuff, we want to dig in on bigger league-wide topics. And obviously player tears came out on Monday. Um, We're not going to be able to get through all 125 players because then this would be a three-hour podcast and nobody wants to listen to that. Um, So we'll get through what we can. First, I guess, do you guys just want to go through and we can start with Sean how this one got put together this year, because obviously it's a little bit more revamped 125 players this year, not 100, um, the different drop downs. You spoke to a ton of different people. So this wasn't just you two and Shayna on a zoom call chatting and looking at graphs. You guys talked to a lot of people. So do you guys want to quickly Tell us how this came together this season. Well, the format's different. That's probably worth noting. Not, not. It's not just that it's an extra twenty-five players. We got a shiny new uh, interface. I said the for... drop-down menus. See, I, I zoned out when you said that. Yeah, you should listen. But anyways, we, they gave us the NFL tools. That's that's point Big one. Time. This is what you know, Dane Brugler and in, in our NFL draft teams and. You know, they, they had access to this tool in the last six months or so, whereas we didn't because it was finished basically after after the last set came out. So, A, that was that was a consideration, though, because the new tool meant that we could do other things with some of Dom's data, with some historical stuff, with some charts, just kind of visualize stuff a little bit differently. Now, that, that was a that was something to consider really from the start, right, because it, it affected it affected, you know, what we wrote. It affected how we presented it. And we we knew that we were kind of operating in that bucket from the jump. That was something to consider. And also, yeah, we made a point, Dom and Shana and I, uh, to talk to more people this year ourselves. We didn't, uh, Corey Promen had been part of this project last year. He He's stacked up with a million other different things. So he wasn't, he wasn't involved this year. Corey was our go-to for talking to scouts and talking to, you know, more traditional kind of front office folks around the league. And we didn't have that uh, security blanket to fall back on this year. So a lot of it was the three of us uh, cold calling people, going going to people who we had maybe some pre-existing relationships with and just asking, you know, out of the goodness of their hearts, you know, to kind of audit the list that we came up with using Dom's uh, m- model as kind of, the baseline. So that so that's a kind of a long-winded way of, of getting at it. But we we had our list that we used, you know, Dom's model is is the baseline. We shuffled that around ourselves. We had a bunch of calls with the three of us trying to figure out who goes where, who drops off, who's too low just based on the output of the model. Cause nothing nothing like that's perfect. And then we took that list to, you know, I don't know, 18 or 20 uh combination GMs, AGMs analysts, scouts, coaches. Like it was a pretty it was a pretty solid uh cross section I think of of people around the league this year. Definitely more so than uh 
any of the three that I've been involved with so far. Yeah. And like, that's always been the goal. I, uh, I mentioned this last time we talked about it. Like I first brought this over to uh, Craig Custance and said, I saw this idea from the NBA tiers um, with Seth Bart now, and obviously I have better data with hockey. Our data isn't great. What if we move some stuff around with how we think it should look, bring it to people within the org- in within NHL organizations, ask how they look, get a sort of a, a crowd source thing. And the first thing he said was, aren't you not supposed to do this? Isn't like this goes against like the, the ethos of analytics. And I said, no, this is what every front office should be doing is blending what the data might suggest, blending what your eyes might suggest into one thing where the the organization is on the same page about a lot of players or they know where the debate points are for other players. And that's the other thing that has come about over the last few years is that a lot of the organizations we've talked to have said, yeah, we do the same exercise in-house. We have a similar process. Mm-hmm. It's like a good thing to do. And it's, yeah, it was a lot of fun this year, especially because we got to actually write about every single player. So prior years we had to squeeze as much as we can down to make word count. This year we had a space for every player and understanding that readers might not want to read about all 125, but they want to read about their favorite team and they want to read something worthwhile about those players. And they're not just reading like one sentence that they already know. We want to add some insight as to why these players are ranked where they are. Cause for some people, it might not be common sense, but mm-hmm. it's where the data has the players going to next year based on how they've done, how they're expected to progress because of age. And a lot of times just how people within the game see these players maybe a bit differently than the public would think. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I really liked how much um, or how many quotes in there were from executives, analysts, et cetera. I thought it added a ton of value and made it different. Um, Okay, so the first one, we're going to kind of go through as many tiers, players, big topics, debates as we can. But the big one is, and I went back and I found all of the player tiers that have been done over the last four years, the last four iterations. Never once has Connor McDavid been in his own tier. The first time you did it, Dom, with Craig, it was McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews in Tier 1A. Um, last season, it was McDavid, Matthews, McCarr in Tier 1A. But this year, Connor McDavid is in a league of his own. What did McDavid do to separate himself this time? Uh, I think it helps when you score a million points. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that is something that we talked about mid-season last year. Mm -hmm. We tried to do like a little refresh um, mid-season of like where players maybe shifted since we last talked in the summer. And it became clear then already that McDavid was in his own tier. There was no one that was even close anymore. Uh, He was the best player in the world before that, but there was at least an argument that Matthews McKinnon or Matthews McCarr were closer to him than they were to the next year. And that's just no longer true after the season he had last year where he scored 153 points and was still a bit unlucky doing that, Mm -hmm. which is sounds impossible for anyone but McDavid. And 
he seems to have a like that gene that generational talents have where if you slight them in any way, they will see it, they will read it, they will do anything to destroy that opinion, prove it wrong. Um, I remember back in the day, I think the Hockey News had Sidney Crosby ranked as the second best player in the world behind Jonathan Taves. And the next season, Sidney Crosby made absolutely sure that that would never be an opinion again. And McDavid did not win the Hart Trophy last year. He lost to Austin Matthews. He started having arguments about whether he was the de facto best player in the world. And right. he said, I will, yeah, I will, I'll yeah. prove you wrong. And he did. And no. do you think, and Sean, I'm going to like throw this part at you. Obviously what McDavid did stands on its own, but did the Matthews and McCarr injury plagued season play a role as well? I think so. And I think it's a testament to how small the margins are here. Like we included this, a quote from a G from one of the GMs that we spoke to, uh, in the top where he was like, yeah, you guys, you guys did a good job here. You know, you're, you're, you're splitting hairs. And Dom said, you know, I think was Dom's line. Like that's, that's what this project is. Like that's what this part of the job is, is you are parsing, you know, you're talking about decimal points and you're talking about little data points that can swing, you know, something pretty significantly in one direction or the other. So yeah, a lot of it was about how great McDavid was like, that's undeniable. The season he had last year was terrifying. It was why it was wild to watch, but also when to, to have him stand alone, definitely required a little, a little bit else. If, if Austin Matthews would have had a repeat performance of his MVP year, I don't know that we see this as the result. If Kale McCarr mm -hmm. plays 20 more games than he does and looks, you know, like the best defenseman we've seen this century for for those for those 20 as as he did in the 60 that he played, I don't I don't know that we I don't know that we have this result. But as it stands, with McDavid being as great as he was, and then having just enough fall off for Matthews and McCarr specifically, and that's it's it's no slight to them. Stuff happens. There's fluctuations season to season you know, based on injuries or what, or bad luck or whatever else. But it took a lot to break those, to break up, to break up that tier, even though it was something that we'd kind of discussed, you know, we thought we talked about it at the beginning of, of, of mm -hmm. last season, have, having him by himself, but it, it took, it, it took more. And I, and I think, uh, yeah, I, I think the kind of off the off years that those two ran into in one way or another, uh, played a role for sure. So in the first tier, obviously it's tier 1A, 1B, 1C. There's a lot of centers. Quinn, uh, Jack Hughes in there. <laughs> Not Quinn Hughes. Uh, Nathan, we can get to that we'll later. We'll get to him. Yeah. Canucks fans, keep listening. Um, obviously some top pair elite defenders, Adam Fox, Kale McCarr. Two wingers, though, in the first tier. Usually it takes a lot for somebody who doesn't play up the middle to get in those elite MVP tiers, and that's David Pasternak and Matthew Kachuk. And I believe there was debate over Kachuk being a tier higher than Pasternak, but he maybe got dropped down. Mm -hmm. Who's the best winger in the world right now? It is. It's, it's, it's Kachuk between those for two. Me, right? I don't know. I, I'd pick Kachuk. There might be some people who pick Pasternak. There might be some people who pick Nikita Kucherov in tier two. Um, we were fairly adamant to drop him down, but it's not unfair for 
him to be maybe in that conversation, maybe be next up. But after last year, it does feel like Kachuk and Pasternak have separated themselves. And for me, I'd, I'd take Kachuk, but it's close enough of a debate that they're in the same tier. Um, and I don't think that. I mean, I we, had, we had Kachuk. I don't think one, people yeah. would have said that. Sorry, Sean. But I think mm-hmm. if you would have asked people last season, are Kachuk and Pasternak in the same tier as wingers, they'd be like, no, it's Pasternak. I think Kachuk leveled himself up that much. Because in well, Calgary, it was like, well, is it Kachuk elite or is it Gaudreau? Is it Lindholm? Like, who's the driver? And then Kachuk had a really good regular season. He drove the bus, got that team into the playoffs, and then obviously was excellent in the playoffs, but still looks like there's some concern about, like, is he the one that takes over games? Um, but Sean, you had something to say about Kachuk, right? I mean, we had him in 1B to start out. Like, when we went through... And people weren't mad about that either, really. No, no, that definitely not. But when we went through the data and when we accounted for personal preference, because that's, that's the other thing here, too. When we, you're talking about Kachuk versus Pasternak versus Kucherov, like... There's not a wrong answer. <laughs> a lot of it comes down to the preference, I think, of the of of the people you're talking to, right? And for the three of us, when we went over this, I think the gap wasn't huge, but it was also decisive enough on on all three of our parts where we were like, yeah, mm-hmm. Matthew mm-hmm. belongs in one B. And and it was also the margin was small enough that we got no, nobody was mad. Nobody was like, this is some miscarriage of justice. We just got a bunch of people kind of gently being like, I don't know how, basically saying, I don't know how you differentiate between between those two. And, or, or like maybe you got a little bit too much dip on the chip for, for Matthew just yet. You know, maybe mm-hmm. we need that. We need one more year of like super elite production, you know, before he, before he finds a home in one B. Like if he, if he comes out and does, here's what I'll say. If he comes out this year, and does what he did last year, he will be in 1B. I have no doubt there. Yeah. Yeah, he can move himself Um, into top five player in the world territory. Um, Last one on the first tier, Adam Fox is a 1C, Kale McCarr is a 1B. Is there a world in which Adam Fox and Kale McCarr are in the same slot? Like, not just in the same tier one, but in that same B together? Mm -hmm. I don't. I, I I think the gap between McCarr and Fox is pretty substantial. That would take a lot for me to be convinced that that Fox can get there or McCarr drops down to one C. Um, like I think Fox, if he wasn't in the same league as a once in a lifetime talent, he would be the best defense in the world, and there'd be no question. But McCarr is just a different kind of special over Fox. I think too, it's something to consider. Um, Man, a coach I talked to was, you could, I could hear it. He was trying to convince himself (laughs) that Fox and McCarr were on the same tier. Right. But he just couldn't like he, like he, you could, you could hear him in real time trying to, trying to talk himself into saying like, yeah, those guys, those guys are in the same class, but he just, he just couldn't do it. I don't know. It's just something, there's something about Makar's, it, there's he, the, the self-evidence so of dynamic. His, yeah. The self-evidence I think of his talent is just, you know, it's, 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 it's overwhelming when, whenever you, whenever you uh, compare him against something like that. Yeah. Like to me, like 
we don't rank within the tiers, but if we did, Makar is probably at the top of tier 1B and Flock is probably at the bottom of tier 1C. Sure. Yeah. It's just a bigger gap than just that sub-tier mm-hmm. between the two, especially because tier 1 probably has like the widest variation of talent from top to bottom. I mean, it's true. Okay, let's move to the second tier. Why and how is Sidney Crosby <laughs> not a tier one player? Who do you put I have... of? Who do you drop down? <laughs> and, that, and I think that's the challenge of, mm-hmm. like, it's like, how do you put him higher, but then just like, how do you not have him there? Like, it's hard for me to mm-hmm. see Sidney Crosby as a debatable top 10 player in the NHL, not just yeah. like one of the best in the world. Was that a big challenge for you guys? It it was for sure. And eagle-eyed readers will note that description for MVP says a top 10 skater and we have nine skaters in there. Mm-hmm. And that was an intentional choice because a lot of top 10s will be the same and we felt would have the nine players we included in the MVT tier and a majority of them, the 10th player is the one that's going to change. And those are, I think the guys in 2A are the, they have the best case to be the last person in the top 10. And for a lot of people, that might still be Cindy Crosby. For a lot of people, that might still be Nikita Kudrov. For some, it mm-hmm. might be Marner Rantanen. Um, for others, it might be Caprice Alvin Robertson. Maybe it's even Charlie McAvoy. But... Like those are the guys in contention and it's just, it's such a debate with how much great talent there is at the top of the league. Yeah. I just don't know what else you like need. And I think this is one of the quotes that's in here. It's like, he's an excellent two-way center. He drives play. Like he's still a point per game guy. He can still be a hundred point guy. Like what more do you want from Sidney Crosby? He's perfect. You're anticipating (laughs) some age-related fall off at some point. That sucks, but it's true. And also, like, splitting hairs, like, the def- the defensive value, like, isn't isn't quite there for him in the way that it maybe has been in the past. That's, that's where maybe you're starting to see him start to mm-hmm. tail off just a little bit, right? Where you got to pick at some point. And his offensive production last year was unbelievable. That team is nowhere without him. It's a miscarriage mm-hmm. of justice that they couldn't assemble a roster around him that made the most of the season he had when he's 35 years old, but you got to account for it in yeah. one way or another. And it's also worth saying like, about that tier specifically about this, who is number 10? What is the difference between one C and two a we had Kaprizov and Robertson in one C to start out with. At one point we had 11 players mm-hmm. sure. in tier one and that was a pressure point just generally with everybody we talked to who, who mm-hmm. again, depending on what you value, there's not necessarily a right answer or a wrong answer, but everybody treated the people that we have in group two a everybody was somebody's pick. <laughs> there was, yeah. there were, there were people who wanted Crosby. There were people who wanted Kucherov. There were people who like, who, who, who thought that Rantanen should have been above, above Robertson. Like it, mm-hmm. it, you know, it turns into really a question of personal preference. Like you, you have you get you try to get the, the general order right, and then come up with some kind of consensus for the movement based on pretty much the preferences of the people that 
we spoke to, which is like, I, I don't know. I'm not sure what else you can do other than that. So Sean jumped ahead a little bit because I want to get into the Jason Robertson debate. He just had his best season yet. 46 goals, 109 points. Still not a tier one player. Um, why is Jason Robertson a 2A despite the offensive production that we've seen from him? Dom? Uh it's sort of the same debate as Kachuk. And the last two years, my model has loved both of them a lot. And we ended up moving them down. And then they both have these amazing years. And it comes down to what you value. And for both those players, they are amazing in the offensive zone. They find space. They can score goals. But they, they don't do a lot of the puck work. That's some yep. people we talked to really valued. So last year, I think my model already had Kachuk as a bonafide top 10 player, and we had him in 2B because a lot of the people we talked to just weren't quite sold on his 100-point season, weren't quite sold on who was lead on that line. And then he proved people wrong in Florida, and now that opinion is much more commonly placed. With Robertson... It was that argument on a different scale where people weren't even sure he was a franchise player. And the model was like, no, this guy is like influencing things like really well. And then we see that happen last year in Dallas where he becomes a nearly 50 goal. But he scored 50 goals or was he just under? He was around 40 se- 46. Yeah. And a hundred point player. And like the talent is there. It's just he he doesn't do it all in the same way that a lot of tier one players do it all what he's very good at he's absolutely elite at it's just that tier one is a very 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 high threshold and we got to either see robertson have an mvp caliber season again or start taking on a bit more of the puck wheeling responsibility Mm -hmm. i i also think that Robertson's origin story plays against him from time to time. I think there are a lot of people who look at him and, you know, there were dings on his, on his skating when he came out. I think, I think subliminally that, that plays a part. I do. I I think, I think he's, you know, everyone, it's easy to say that, you know, everyone knows who Matthew Kachuk is. The dude was. But he wasn't a good skater either. He's never been a good skater. I I know, I know that, but he was also a top 10 pick and right. And and I I think, I think there's a level of bias there that come, that that comes in, that comes into play. Honestly, do do I think that, I don't think that Jason Robertson's misplaced in one C. I I think he's, I think he's where he deserves to be. But I, I, it's part of me thinks with with Robertson specifically because we've had this discussion with him the last three years where we've we've like put mm-hmm. the brakes on and then had then had him you know outkick the projections and I think part of, I, there's just something about that dude's game I don't know if it's the situation that he's in because he's playing with with two fantastic players or what but there's something that's that is that is causing him to be under like underestimated just enough to to make people look silly like year after year and and at some point he's going to hit his ceiling right and maybe maybe yeah. there's nothing wrong with being you know the 12th best player in the league sure. but it yeah, something I mean, something funky's going on with him in, in the it's perception the canadian him. media member who said that jason robertson uh might be primed for a breakout after he'd already scored mm-hmm. almost 50 goals um one interesting part from 2B 
or the tier two, excuse me. Charlie McAvoy is tier two A. Miro Haskinen, tier two B. Why the separation? We have had McAvoy in this tier for like three years now. Um, I think his two-way game is just incredibly good, where he doesn't have to sacrifice any part of his game to be good at both ends of the ice. With Haskinen, he obviously had this big offensive breakout last year, but what was missing was the defensive game that made him so special Mm -hmm. before that. And it's not that Haskinen can't do it all. It's just that we felt that maybe Charlie McAvoy can do it all on a slightly higher level. Yeah, that's well said. I I think we we had them and we had them each in two A to start. It seemed it's no knock on Miro Haskinen, but I think it would have been unfair to Charlie McAvoy to pair them together, right? Like he's done enough over the last couple of years to earn some earned some separation and a big part I think of, of Haskinen too is again Dom you kind of alluded to this is you know for years it's like he has there's more meat left on the bone offensively right like he has more mm-hmm. to offer he has more to mm-hmm. offer in terms of point production in terms of power play responsibilities and whatever and last year was his response was his opportunity to kind of put that on display and he, he wasn't bad at it but it also wasn't like the you know whole holy hell look how great <laughs> Miro Haskinen is you know, mega breakout that I think people were kind of anticipating him for whenever he Mm -hmm. got put in the kind of situation he was put in last year. Charlie McAvoy, the best defender who's probably not going to win a Norris trophy just because of who (laughs) is playing in the league. Um, There's a lot of centers in tier two B, but I think other than Elias Patterson, who's kind of getting his flowers, um, the one that stands out to me is Jack Eichel. He's back, baby. I was everybody loves Jack, man. <laughs> Every we had him because we had him lower. We had him d- dumb. Do you remember where he was? Uh, I think he just started in two C. Um, so we bumped him. We bumped him up to that group. We bumped him up to the uh, Sebastian Aho, Alexander Barkov group. Braden Braden points like that. That group. He was initially outside of it, right? And then we showed it to NHL people and pretty decisively in some cases too. Like there were maybe not literally pounding the table, right? I couldn't hear anything on the phone like that, <laughs> but people are like, yeah, you got it. You, you got it. You got to put him there. Like that, like this was what people were waiting for. Sure. He missed a little bit of time last season, but you know what he showed down the stretch, I think is what people always kind of anticipated that he was capable of. Right. And, and I'm, I'm on board with it. You, know, you don't have to twist my arm and, and make me put Jack Eichel in a group with, in a group with, you know, say, Barkov or Braden Point. Like I I think I think he's there. Yeah, and the reason he was lower initially is that even though he's there, you watch him, he's amazing, is his production the last few years has not been elite. Um obviously mm-hmm. he's dealt with some injuries, but even last year, it took until the playoffs for him to be a point per game player. But beyond what he actually does on the score sheet, he does so many little things incredibly well, and that was on full display in the playoffs and that's the exact thing that a lot of the people we talk to within the industry wanted to see when we talk about what they didn't necessarily like about Kachuk and Robertson those are the exact things that Jack Eichel is very good at even if it doesn't result in 90 point 100 point seasons yet really quickly um maybe just for Dom before we move on to tier three why did you guys finally drop Victor Hedman down? Because you guys uh, said in the in the blurb that you'd thought about it previously, but you never did. 
Mm-hmm. But this time he's down from tier 1B to tier 2C. So he's had off years in the past, but he was younger and you'd expect him to bounce back. And everyone we would talk to in the game is like, no, he's still got it. He's still got it. This year, um, we put him down in the tier list. And part of the thing with the tier list when we first put it out there to these NHL people is we will sometimes put players in a bit more strategic locations to see what they say on this player, what they comment. Like, oh, is this guy too high? This guy's too low. Knowing that we are going to adjust it later based on what they said anyways, right? And mm-hmm. Hedman starting in Tier 2C is going to be a talking point. It still has him in the top 10, but it has him outside the top 5. And not many people were banging the drum saying, you got to get Hedman back up there. He still got it. There were people who were legitimately like concerned about his numbers last year, where I think for the first time since rookie year, he was outchanced and outscored. And that wasn't because Tampa Bay was bad. It was just because he was struggling with that regard. Um, with that being said, his playoffs, he was still amazing. So that guy is probably still in there. But the the, regular, the week regular season is definitely reason for concern. And a big, I think one one thing too to note is that you know, the succession plan that they kind of have in place, the quasi-succession plan with Sergachev, I don't think that's going to change. Like, I, I think I think Sergachev is going to continue kind of eating into his power play minutes, eating into maybe some of the stuff that they typically have used him for in the mm-hmm. past, right? So, the, and that's and that's fine. That's the point in his career that he's at. This is year 14 or 15 for, for Victor Hedman, which is insane. Yeah. And it goes without saying, too, I know sometimes as we're talking about like some of the decisions that are being made within the tiers, it's making it sound like these guys are like old and decrepit and terrible, but he's still a 2C player and still one of the top five defenders on this list. Top, uh, yeah, top 10, I guess, but there's only like five or five ahead of him. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's still pretty high up there. and Eric Carlson is in 2C as well, but I think we're going to get to him as we get into the Quinn Hughes conversation once we move into Tier 3. So the top of Tier 3 is interesting. I know Johnny Gaudreau is interesting. William Nylander got a ton of love. Artemi Panarin and Mark Stone are in here as well, but I think the big debate that I wanted to get into within this tier is Tim Stutzla and Tage Thompson, two young centers in the all-star slot. Um, could they have gone higher? Did you think about putting them higher? Like, what do you guys think about these two guys who are kind of going to be the big leaders of the Sens and the Sabres if those two teams make the kind of leaps people think they will this season? Uh, I think if we do a mid-season refresh on this, those two are candidates to candidates to jump. It's very clear what both of them need to do, I think, and what they need to show to kind of take that level up into into franchise territory like thompson just needs to show something on, on the <laughs> defensive end that's it right just one that's, thing just, uh, just one thing. one just one thing humor us tage you'll be in you'll be in 2b before you know it, buddy and stutzla you know i i think you know just, just do it just, again just do it that's again it. dude don't change anything if he has the same season that he had before like he's he's gonna be there too he doesn't even he thompson needs to do something differently this doesn't mm-hmm. just needs a repeat a repeat performance, and he's and he's right there. Yeah, uh, Stutzla had probably like a similar season to one Jack Hughes had two years ago, and mm-hmm. we put Jack Hughes in the same tier three A. Uh, we did think about putting Stutzla in 
tier two, but it did feel just a little bit too early for him. Mm-hmm. We and when we show this to people with Switzerland 2C, there wasn't like a whole lot of pushback. It was just some people who reserved a bit of caution saying, let's see it again. It was uh, like an eye it was like an eyebrow raise from a lot of people They're like, huh, okay. Stutzland two C. And we're like, yeah, what's 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 up? Is that is that ambitious? Like what like what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Everyone just wants to see a, a little bit more. One thing I find interesting, as I mentioned with Nylander, he's what, third on the Leafs and so there's Matthews, then Marner, and then Nylander, and then Tavares is in the fourth tier. Uh and I think this is something to get into like next week once you see what actually happens in camp. But I had like a little hot take thought today that if they put Nylander at center on the Leafs this season, like he should be the two C and Tavar should be the three C in my opinion. Like there's no way, like if you put Nylander as the three C with like third line, like like Sam Lafferty and Kelly Yarncroak, you are not getting another 40 goal season and it's a waste of William Nylander. He is underappreciated, but I digress. I want to talk about Jake Gensel, Sean. So did a lot of people. You. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's hear it. Jake Gensel, uh, not getting a ton of, not getting enough love. I think he was pretty firmly. Where did we have him initially, Tom? Because I know, I know he moved up three C. Yeah, I'm out, and okay, he so finished he in three B. Had no intentions on moving Jake Gensel up. Did not think we were going to have that conversation. There's especially when you get down in the lower tiers where the, where the tiers get bigger. You're you just you're saying, all right, this guy's here, like barring something wild. That's where he's going to stay. Multiple, like three, four people were like, nope, Gensel too low. Swap him out for blah blah blah. Like swap him out for player X. I had one. I did GM specifically say that he would swap him out for Timo Meyer in three B, and that yeah. makes sense. Like Jake Gensel is a subtle player. Mm-hmm. I think he gets it. It's kind of it's it's kind of an interesting test case because he gets a lot of credit for scoring a ton of goals with Sidney Crosby, but also gets dinged for being stapled to him. I think at times because that's right. who that's who he's played with for. Quietly, almost had forty. Like you know that Jake Gensel's productive, but then I think sometimes it takes actually like looking at his stat sheet to. Mm-hmm know that he almost scored 40 goals last year. So like the production's there on some level. You can't, you, you can only play the hands that you're dealt. Sidney Crosby's not easy to play with. It's been said many times. That was like a weird narrative that took hold early in his career was that you could stick that dude next to, you know, Dom and Dom would pot 35. And that's just not, that was never true. <laughs> it's in, it's, it's increasingly less, less true over the years. Like, like not everybody worked with him. That's why he played with Pascal Dupuis and, and uh, Chris Kunis for so long because Crosby Don't is a. F- you dare say I'm anything not, bad I, about them? You know that I. You know that I never would. <laughs> but Crosby's a finicky dude. He's got. He's. Mm-hmm. He's got. He's got preferences. He's got things that he that he expects his line mates to do, and he hasn't always meshed with people. And Gensel, you know, has slid in over the last four, six years now. Is just, you know, the dude. Um, and it makes sense to me that, you know. One general manager and two assistant general managers and a scout were like, you have this dude, you have him too low. Jake Gensel is a hockey nerds player. Like you watch the guy with the work he does along the boards. He he does like just smart. He's not physically that impressive. He's, he's not that, he's not big. He's not that fast. You know, he's got a, he's got a great release, but like whatever. So do a lot of guys. 
And I think that's the thing that that's he's the sort of player that hockey men love because that dude's brain is his is his number one asset. And I think there was some amount of desire, you know, especially with the front office folks that we talked to to reward that. And and, and that ultimately was was I surprised to hear it like eh, maybe, maybe not. But I think on balance, you know, whenever we talk to the people that we talk to, like that dude had to move up. Like, like if mm-hmm. we're being true to the process in, in, in weighing the words of these folks that we're talking to as much as we should, he needed to go up a tier, which is mm-hmm. crazy. I, I was not, I was not prepared for that. And the quote you guys included was great. Um, the executive said, if the point of hockey is to win, Gensel has got to go up. He's so, so good. He does everything right. He gets pucks on the wall. He makes little defensive plays. He makes offensive plays. He's not an elite athlete, maybe, but his brain is an elite in an all-around sense. Um, okay. <laughs> I so would like to say that- specifically one, 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 one thing. <laughs> That oh person God. did not work for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay. I feel the need to <laughs> point to, to just to, to just like like point that out. He is <laughs> unaffiliated. All right. That's good to know actually. Okay, so here's the big debate as we move from Jake Gensel to Quinn Hughes. So Quinn Hughes is in three B, much to the disdain of Canucks fans everywhere. <laughs> uh you have someone in here saying he's good. I don't know how good. And there's also some stuff in here about how he's not great defensively. Canucks fans are upset that you clearly don't watch Quinn Hughes play because he's better defensively than you think, they say. Um, and well, I guess I'm curious. <laughs> yes, Dom <laughs> yeah, doesn't right. stay awake. Um, so, and this, is, I think it's an interesting conversation though because Quinn Hughes in 3B, Eric Carlson, one of those players who people knock for being a good offensive player, but not a very good defensive player is in two C in the franchise tier. Um, so let's hear it. Why is Quinn Hughes not higher? And I'm saying this, I don't mean to bring Eric Carlson into the conversation to knock him. Cause I say this is somebody who voted for Eric Carlson to win the Norris, but I also had Quinn Hughes like just outside of my Norris ballot last year. I, he was a debate for me in the fifth slot because I think Quinn Hughes is very good as well. So let's hear it. Yeah, he had a, a great season. Before I get to that, I I want to make a point <laughs> to say that um, number one, I'm wearing my Canucks hat to beat the allegations. Number two, <laughs> it's true. He is. It doesn't matter if there are three bylines on any story. Sean will get off scot free. Yeah, no matter it's what. This, it, it'll, it's everything is my fault. I don't get the credit fault. though, dude. I I've, I've, I feel being like, wow, great, great work, great work by Dom here. I'm like, yeah, okay. He's is is he the one who spent a, a full week on the phone? No, no. I, I, I spent a lot of time on the phone. Um, but yeah, it does go both ways. I want people to understand how much work everyone attached to the story does, and that there are three names attached to the story. Okay. And in this particular instance. Like, I did not write this, but I vetted it. I liked what I saw. I thought it was a good blurb because I think it captures the uncertainty that lies with Quinn Hughes still at age 23, soon to be 24. He had a great season last year. One of the people we talked to was a bit skeptical, whatever. He doesn't have the history that Eric Carlson does. He still wasn't as good offensively as Eric Carlson was. So no matter how, I guess, much you believe his defense is better, Eric Carlson doing what he did on a horrible team, 
scoring 100 points yeah. is so much more offensively impressive than he was to the point that defense doesn't make up for that. And yeah. he fills up that he fills up his tank, right? Yeah. Like there's so there's so if you want to deduct points from those guys for the for the defense, like so be it. But the watermark for Carlson is just so much higher because because his yeah. because his offensive production is other especially last year is just like otherworldly. It's yeah. like it's 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 no it, there's no knock. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with being a worse offensive defenseman than Eric Carlson. of the people who have ever played the game can say the same. Yeah. And again, like like Quinn Hughes, even in 3B, I mean, he's in a tier with Dougie Hamilton, um, a Norris trophy. And everyone loves Dougie Hamilton. He's a Norris. We love him too. Exactly. And it's still within that tier, the top 15 defenders in the NHL. Like so. he's the best of that group, and there's no shame in being the eleventh, like whatever, like, yeah. right? Like, like we can. It's safe to. I know we don't really differentiate between people in, in tiers, mm-hmm. but he was, but he was at the top of that because we slid him down based on yeah. based on some of the stuff that we the the the, the people yeah. said. The, yeah. And at, thing, and at the, the end th- of the day, a team that has that has been like at the bottom of the standings for the last couple of years, like it's gonna, it's probably difficult to have two players in the and franchise upper tier, yeah. echelon of the great, NHL. If they have all these franchise players, like why can't they make the playoffs? Yeah. Um, sorry, Dan, uh, did you have something on? I just have one more thing Hughes? to add. Like, yeah. yeah, we had Hughes in the franchise tier. Yep. Um, if you look at like the model output on the right side in these beautiful charts, like he's not far off the guys in 3A. He's not far off the guys in 2C. He is the 10th best rated defenseman by the model and he's mm-hmm. young we like his upside so we put him in tier two to start and everyone we talked to every single one yeah. we talked to said not yet or yeah. i don't think so or yeah. i don't like this or some of them were just we're not sure they said he's good and these i don't are know not, how and these good are, yeah. yeah these are not dumb people that we're talking to either. Like yeah. I, 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 I want to, I want to make, I want to take I don't, the opportunity. I think, I think everyone should understand that. <laughs> they're not they stupid. Don't. They're, but like, we're not, we're not, we're not like, look, look at it us. It strikes look, a nerve with the fans way, though. Like you're not, I know, like, but like, look saying, at the like, way these people are smart. They're gonna be like, well, we're still look, pissed. It's fair. But like, <laughs> I just want to make it clear that we're not just talking to randos here we're not and we're sure. not talking it's to 80 year old men mm-hmm. like these are these are you smart guys, these are smart people who you guys struck and you guys struck like a good balance between like east and the west. analytics the east and west analytics versus more like scout like boots on the ground heavy like it's a mix it's not just leaning super heavy one way or the other i think you know the other thing to probably consider is how many coaches and how much bullshits happen in Vancouver that might mm-hmm. have impacted Quinn Hughes's development or like his the ceiling or that growth over the last few years. Cause that was one of the things that somebody said is, you know, he hasn't gotten worse over the last few years. He hasn't gotten, you know, particularly better either. He's just been kind of chugging along. So um, he's turning 24 in October, a full season with Rick Tockett 
you know, no one's saying that Quinn Hughes is stunted as a three B player. That's just where he is heading mm-hmm. into the season. Let's um, quickly to wrap up the Quinn Hughes. Cause we have a couple more to get to. Go I ahead, just Tom. have one, one thing and Tom. before Sean, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> I so should have brought up Quinn Hughes sooner. I was trying to uh, go in order there. So there was a good mix of East and West. There's a good mix of old school, new school. There was not really a good mix of smart teams and dumb teams or good teams and bad teams. We talked to mostly people from good, smart teams. Uh (laughs) Like that's the big thing is like we didn't go, like maybe we didn't get someone from the Vancouver Canucks organization to talk about Quinn Hughes, but that's for a good reason, folks. We talked to teams that have had success. Building consensus in this exercise. That felt unnecessary. <laughs> building <gasps> consensus. Oh, that was yeah. sassy. Sorry. That's like the dance mom's <laughs> clip. Sorry, Sean, go ahead. Building consensus in this exercise is tough, right? We mm-hmm. just spent mm-hmm. hours, uh, how uh, 45 minutes here saying like, you're splitting hairs. It's about personal preference, whatever. The single biggest thing that the most people agreed on about our initial list was that we had Quinn Hughes too high. Everybody okay. could fight over everything else and have and have differing viewpoints on a hundred other players. Every single person who brought up Quinn Hughes was like, you gotta let you got him a little bit too high. Mm-hmm. So take that against a bunch of people who have Quinn Hughes avatars on Twitter freaking <laughs> out that we have him as the eleventh best defenseman in the league instead of the sixth or whatever. And, and, and see who wins. Steven Stamkos stays pretty <laughs> steady in 3C. Um, he's really interesting because obviously some headlines during training camp, uh, day one of lightning camp on Wednesday. Steven Stamkos says he's disappointed that the lightning has not engaged, have not engaged, excuse me, in meaningful contract talks uh, with his UFA status looming next summer. He was pretty disappointed. Mm-hmm. He's 33, entering his 16th season, all with the Tampa Bay Lightning, won two cups. He's still a 3C player. Um, If you're Brisebois, are you picking up the phone and signing Steven Stamkos right away? Or do they need to start turning the page with a younger core? Like, how do you (laughs) deal with the Steven Stamkos question? Because he's clearly still a good player. Um, but I'm curious why he doesn't have a contract. I think it's a it's hard a, contract to fit. Yeah. What'd he do? Did, did, and we've did he take seen a pay the, cut? And we've seen them be cold blood. Like they cut the cord with people all the time, being like, I'll eh, tell you okay, what, thanks tell you for what. your service. It's we one need cap thing. Space. It's one thing to be ruthless with Ryan McDonough or Andre Palat or letting letting people walk. And it's a whole other thing to be like, Yeah, yep. Thanks for everything. Like, see you but later. is that maybe that's why Steven Stamkos is like getting ahead of it, like trying to mm-hmm. put the boots to Breezeball a little bit, being like, he is not about to do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm is just he glad someone to... that you should sign though? Like, if you're Breezeball and you want to extend this window, like, what's the that's case a, for that's keeping a dumb, That's Steven a dumb Stamkos? question. Dom, uh, I I saw Breezeball's answer and I felt like it was a very savvy, smart answer. Like, why why not wait? Why not wait to see what your 33-year-old franchise winger, center, whatever, can still do at his mm-hmm. age? And he was very deferential to what Stamkos can still do. We obviously think he's still a fantastic player. How that's going to look 
in a year's time when Mm -hmm. you might be talking a multi-year extension that is still fairly expensive. Like that's going to be a tough sell. I think he can age pretty gracefully, but I think the last thing Tempe wants is something like Ovechkin where a lot of the points are empty calorie and he's not helping them win anymore. We thought the drop off for Sam close was coming the year before last. Like Two years we, ago. Or, yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and mm-hmm. it hasn't. So does that bode well for whatever comes next for him? Does it not? As far as the contract is concerned, I don't know. Yeah. But it's good to see him hold steady because he was really good last year. Mm-hmm. And the year before. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ovechkin, by the way, to much fanfare. <laughs> was in 4B. People loved that, I'm sure. <laughs> uh but I don't think we're going to have time to get into the fourth tier, but that's fine because those are the top 125 skaters and I don't care about you. I'm just kidding. We just don't have time to round out the third tier. Why is Connor Bedard here? <laughs> he has not played in the National Hockey League. You should have seen, you should have seen what he was going to be. Ooh, baby. And he is ranked higher. Not only is he in the top 125, he is ranked higher then Matt Boldy, Maddie Beneers, uh, the aforementioned Alex Ovechkin, Alex Debrinkit. I'm not saying these guys, I'm not saying like Debrinkit and these guys are world beaters, but they actually have played in the NHL and done pretty well. So why is Connor Bedard here? Dom. One uh, uh, <laughs> of my, one of my favorite quotes, uh, I don't think we use, I'm just looking over. Yeah, we didn't use it. Someone said, because we had Marusian 3A next to Artemi Panarin, and they said, if you put Artemi Panarin in the WHL, how many points do you think he's getting? As many as he wants. And that was the argument <laughs> against having Bedard so high. And we had a lot of pushback because, as you noted to start, he has not played a single NHL game. But the idea of this is that we're trying to project what is happening this year. And that includes an entire full season of Connor Bedard. Where do we think he lands among all of these players by season's end? And we think his season is probably going to be better than Matty Beniers. And you and think he's going to be on par with Matt Barzell and Clayton Keller? No one Tony knows what, no one no knows one what knows. Matt Barzell is <laughs> going to do on a year-to-year <laughs> basis. I know. But like... Um, and again, high, they're yeah. not world world beaters. I'm not saying no disrespect to Matt Barzal, but that's a hot. I mean, it's a high bar for an 18 year old who's never played in the NHL here's, and is about to play for the Chicago Blackhawks. Here's here's what I'll say about about Bedard is like this whole exercise made me look at how good Connor McDavid was his freshman his his freshman year his rookie year his and first Crosby. day with his little backpack at school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He brought a lunchbox. Mm-hmm. Actually, he was okay. one of those kids. He was one of those kids that put all his <laughs> he put all his all his books in a rolly bag and pun pulled it behind him. McDavid was so good as a rookie, and if you think that Bedard is of his class and he's got enough insulation around him, which it seems like he does, mm-hmm. Taylor Hall's fine. There's there's mm-hmm. NHL players in the Blackhawks right now. If you think he's going to produce at a McDavid level this year, he's going to be in in tier in three C. If not Easily. higher. If not higher. Yeah, that was the thing. Is Yeah. And I will say, I'm not asking that because I am a Bedard hater and I think he's going to be terrible this season. I'm just trying to ask the questions that the kids want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I talked Don't to yell at Corey me. Bronman. 
about this. Um, he was also bearish. Um, Talked to Scott Wheeler, bearish. They both expected something closer to 60 points, which this is... bearish. A, bullish. I've never heard any... It's bullish. Bullish. Bears bad. Yeah, they were bearish. They were bullish. Bearish. Bearish, yeah. They were bullish on him getting like 80 points yeah. or whatever. I've never heard anyone yeah. say no, bearish. No, no, no. Bull versus bear. Yeah, bull versus bear. I talked... We have him... Dom, like Dom, my, Dom, Dom, Dom. Were they, were they into Connor Bedard or not into Connor Bedard with placement? They... They were not. That is what I'm saying. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so. <Bear>. Okay. <laughs> all right. So let me let me start from the top here. Bullish, bearish. Haley, it's not just bullish. There's there's a second term. Um, but are you saying that they thought he was too high or too low? They thought we had him too high. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Okay. So he just say high. that. Don't don't confuse me with the animals. <laughs> American. I also, I've got to say, you know what? I I kept this in. I didn't talk about this random shit off the top because I'm trying to be a good host and keep things on the rails. I got on Elk TikTok recently. Um, it's I elk, saw an elk video. It's elk <laughs> rutting season. What? So their elks are just like trying to find lady elks. And so they're just like running around Yellowstone National Park like screeching. Hey, why are the male elks just elks and why are the female elks lady elks? Because oh, I called I got you there. I don't know. I don't know that much about animals. I just know it's elk rutting season. So the male elks are looking for lady okay. friends. Returning Anyways. to Bedard, his angel equivalency is extremely close to McDavid. He's higher than Matthews. He's higher than McKinnon. He's higher than Hughes. He from that data is at that level. And when you look at what McDavid did, he was, I think, third in points per game his rookie year. Crosby was like sixth or something. That's the class of prospect Bedard is supposed to be. So that's why he started high. We talked to a lot of people. They said, we were too bullish. And so I talked to our two prospect air experts, Rory Prom and Scott Wheeler, and they agreed that we were too bullish. And that made them bearish. <laughs> on Bedard, thinking something closer to 60 points was more accurate. Mm -hmm. Female elks are no also known as cows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bearish on this podcast going any longer than it already has. <laughs> I did so well trying to keep you two in check. I you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back. I kept myself in check today. What are you talking about? I kept I didn't talk. It took me an hour to talk about elk talk. Um, the elk I talk brought us to tier two B podcast. We were like solidly tier one C before that. I actually think it really elevated it because I think. Do you mean it elevated? Um, mm -hmm, that's correct. I think <laughs> I think it really raised the level of the show because it brought in. A little bit of fun. So it was a very serious set of discussions that we had. Certainly, I was yeah. um, I was wearing my more professional host hat today. Okay. Okay. So that was the first three tiers uh, of the top 125. I'm sorry to the tier four folks that we didn't get to, but I guess to kind of wrap it up quickly. Were there any players that 
got put in at the last minute, like anyone in that tier four that was a late addition or anyone that got bumped out from tier four at the end that you wanted to bring up quickly before we end the show. The additions yeah. were Seth Jones, Dylan, Dylan Cousins, Cousins, John Marino. And John Marino. Who do we and take who out? got cut? I don't see you Trevor Zegerson here. I'm just saying. He, was he not wasn't in the discussion. What? Why? Because he can't play defense. Defense is oh. part of the game. Couturier, okay, but Couturier Dixie DeMelio. <laughs> you make a fair point. <laughs> True. Sean Couturier got dropped because of injury issues. Because mm-hmm. it's just tough to project where, where he's going to be this season after the last two that he's had. Um, Dumb. I, I don't really remember who the other ones that got bumped for Marino I'm, were. I'm also like losing my mind about who we bumped. <laughs> um... It wasn't Claude Giroux. We didn't have him on the list initially. And I'd like to apologize to Senators fans everywhere because... He was good last season. He was good Why last he season. He, he maybe should be. And okay. I, I think I agree with that. We probably should have had more love for Giroux. We're sorry about that. Um, I don't remember who we cut. That's okay. Oh, no, late additions and an apologize. made it. Yeah, he made it. All right. It doesn't matter. This was great, guys. Thank you. It's, Thanks, Dom. It's going to bug me. This is going to drive All right. Crazy. You can tweet about it after. We don't have time for this. Chris I've got to order a pizza. Chris Oh, it was Chris Tanev. Okay. There we go. Is there it's not one podcast. more? There's one more. Final five minutes are really... <laughs> Riveting stuff. Dawson Mercer. Elk uh, rutting season. Dawson Mercer. Yeah, there we go. Um, scouts, GMs, AGMs, analysts said, not yet on this young man. That was it. Probably would have been too many devils in there anyways. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I do love I do love the devil, so. Mercer, Mercer, Tanev, and Couturier were the three that cut the boot. All right. Great. Um, so if anyone listened to this and hasn't read the player tiers yet, you can definitely go take a look. Obviously, there's way more players in there than we talked about. 125 in four tiers. Uh, if you like the Friday show, if you want to listen to Sean and I, uh, we will be back with another episode in the first week of October, the last episode we do before I get my wisdom teeth taken out. Oh boy. Before I have to lay in bed and eat baby food for a week. So (laughs) enjoy that while you can. Thanks everybody.